Stackhouse learned something that night, too. He learned that the best-laid plans of mice and men do indeed get screwed up, especially if you're a mouse, and that you don't always take the first ride that comes along. With a borrowed jug full of water, he was hiking back along the highway, oblivious to the moon, the forest, or anything else besides putting one foot in front of the other as quickly as possible. His imagination still teemed with images of the sweaty groping that was about to take place. Traffic was light, but not long after Stackhouse started back, the growl of a semi came up behind him. The tense teen half-heartedly stuck out his thumb. Since the age of nine, only four strangers had ever picked him up. Three of them were drunk, and the fourth was a guy who started driving with his knees so he could do things with his hands that forced Stackhouse to leap from the car and run like hell. So his expectations of getting a ride were low, but the big rig immediately pulled over and stopped. The truck driver said his name was Lowball, although the registration on the visor said his name was Montgomery Krasnowski. He was hauling a load of sorghum from Great Falls, Montana, to Elma, Washington, and was more than happy to give this teenager in trouble a ride down the mountain to his girl. My God, Stackhouse said to himself as he climbed up into the cab, my luck is finally changing. He leapt at the chance to get back to Janelle faster and fresher. They hadn't gone two miles before Lowball began telling Stackhouse about his trial separation from Louise that bitch back in Helena. The more he talked, the hotter and madder he got. By the time they reached Janelle, Stackhouse was looking through the window of 19 tons of sorghum going 108 miles an hour down a mountain pass under the control of a man who was frothing at the mouth. In the months that followed, whenever Stackhouse told the low-ball story to a booth full of Samoans, this was always my favorite part. I could see his bumpy little nose pressed against the passenger side window, moving faster than he had ever traveled in his life. Yet that instant of confluence as he shot past his own car must have seemed like an eternity to him, an eternity in which he could see her in there He must have seen her, pink tennis shoes up on the dash, legs apart, her skirt bunched up around her creamy white thighs. Like I said, a lot of guys had fantasies about Janelle. Maybe he saw a flash of lace. More likely, he saw a flash of tinfoil, the half-wrapped Big Joy burger in her hand, Big Joy sauce running over her soft, downy forearm and dripping onto his shucks auto supply seat covers, and the whole scene bathed in the glow of moonlight filtered through a thick, ambrosial, evergreen forest. And the sound! What did it sound like inside that cab? Surely a melange of screaming, completely contrary to the visual beauty of the night and the moon and the forest-green mountain pass. The big Kenworth's engine shrieking at the very edge of its capabilities. Over that mechanical howl, the angry, hurt voice of Lowball and the desperate, adenoidal whine of Stackhouse. I tell you, kid, women are no damn good. Stop here! 
No damn good, you give them everything they want. Please, stop here, please, sir. And they only want more and more and more. Oh, God, no, pull over. I love her, God, I love her, but I just couldn't take it anymore. Janelle! Stay away from women, kid, you hear me? Shit! That's the word for it, I tell you. Hey, you want a cookie? I think you're sitting on some Fig Newtons. As Janelle disappeared into the night and the rearview mirror, gone from his life forever.